Uh, today we're going to talk about Father's Day, or just about God as our Father on Father's Day, and just explain who God is as a Father from a New Testament perspective, and with what God had in mind when it comes to God being our Father. You know, when we look at the Bible, the whole thing about God is that He came to reveal Himself as our Father, which was not a concept in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, God was not a Father, He was God. And there's a big difference between having uh, a God and that God being your Father. It is like having a, a principal at the school and the principal being your Father. There's a big difference. The moment we want to serve God, it is from the perspective of He is our God and we ask Him what we need to do and we then serve Him and from that service we bring Him, He in exchange gives us protection and all those kind of things like you would have with any king. If we think of Zambia and the western parts of Zambia, they're still under the rule of a king there. They serve the king, they honor the king, and what the king gives in exchange is supposed to be uh, good government and protection and whatsoever. And the same thing is <clears throat> what the people in the Old Testament had about God. They thought that God was their um, uh, uh, king in the sense of they, he gives them their laws and He gives them their rules and He wants to establish His kingdom in the earth and as we serve Him and as we do good towards Him, He will prosper us and He will keep us in good health. And then the, some of the Jews, the, the Pharisees, believed that there would even be a resurrection. That's what they believed. But Jesus came and He said something that these Jews could not imagine. Uh, in an out uh, in a fit of rage one day the the one of the Pharisees basically said we've got God as our father because they said Abraham is our father God is our father and they in a out, like we are saying something that's outside of who and what we really are um, and they said well God is our father but the basic thing in Judaism was that God is not the father of people God is not the Father. God is the King and He is the God. Because should you, call your, should you call God Father, it would mean that you say that you are equal with Him. That is what the Jews understood under having God as your Father. It is equality. That was when Jesus said that God is His Father, they wanted to stone Him. And they said, it's blasphemy. So the concept of God as your Father, according to the law, is blasphemy. You cannot call God your Father. It was a too intimate term. It was also, and there was an understanding of equality. But Jesus comes and He says to people, and we see this family logic when it comes to the Bible. He, he comes and He says to them, don't you know that, in, this is in Matthew 6, that your heavenly Father will care for you. And He starts to bring in a brand new concept into a relationship with God, into Judaism. And he says, God is your father. God is your father. And they should have, the correct thing would have been to say, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean? But, but it was like, sometimes when we are in a conversation and somebody says something we don't understand, we just like, let it slip. You know, we're not going to confront that or ask what it is. But Jesus came in Matthew 6, he calls 
He calls God their father. He says, don't you know? He says, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And in that same context in Matthew 6, he says, don't you know that your heavenly father will care for you? And he wants people to think differently about God. He doesn't want them to think of God as a God, but he wants them to, he wants them to think of God as their father. Because the moment you start to think of God as your father, you start to think of yourself as an owner of the kingdom. Uh, if the kingdom of the father is a kingdom of righteousness, or, or let me put it this way, if the if, 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 you're, if there's a king in a country and this king has got a certain, I mean, he's got, he owns things and he's got a certain way of ruling, he's got a certain logic, he's got a certain way of thinking, the moment you realize that that king is your father, you immediately look different, differently at the whole kingdom. You start to realize this is what I am part of and I am actually an owner of who and what my father is and, is and does. That is, that is who I am. And he comes and he wants them to know that God is their father. Now, it was almost like um, with Nicodemus. He said to him, you need to be born again. And to them it was a difficult concept on how to have another birth. Because he immediately thought, how can I go back into my mother's womb again? But what God was saying to them is like, I am the one that created you, but the very life that is inside you, your thoughts and who you are can also be born from me. I am a father and I am your creator. I brought you forth, but I want to be the father of your life. Because you can look at, um, uh, uh, if you look at children, you can look at the one, you can say, that's the mother's child, that's the father's child. And when you look at that, why would you say that? It's because the mannerisms and the way of thinking is also in that child. And then you can say that that mom is, the one is like the mom, the other one is like the dad, that very same thing. Uh, and that is what God is trying to say here. So as an introduction, I want you to, to know that God relates to man from the foundation of God being a father, a family logic. It is not a king and his servant's logic. So when we read the Bible, we need to come and understand God as a father. You cannot read the Old Testament, you cannot read the New Testament, you can read none of those things outside of God being a father. And that is what the Apostle Paul tried to convey in most of his writings as well as Jesus. He tried to bring God forth as a father. In Romans, Paul comes and he says that by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And I want to explain that today. It's a bit of a technical thing, but it is so good once we understand that. What it means to, by the Spirit, call God your Father. To say, Abba, Father, by the Holy Spirit. Because God is not our Father physically. I've got a physical Father somewhere. You know, and He can, uh, uh, through Him and my mom, I'm here today. And God granted life that I could be alive. But the true father of my life, not just the creator, the father is something different. And we're going to look at that today. So first thing, we cannot look at the Bible outside of family logic. 
you read Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter what, you need to read it from family logic. Another thing about the Bible, it is a book that you can read from Genesis 1 and you can read everything and once you understand everything, by the time you come to Jesus, you will realize that you cannot understand anything unless you start with Jesus. Okay? So read it from Genesis 1 if you want to read it like a book and read it in its true context, all of it, and when you come to Jesus, you will realize that none of what you read was correctly understood. And that the, 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 the platform of your theology, the platform from where you have to uh, look at Scripture would be Jesus and the resurrection. Now, Paul, the first thing that he ever saw of God, the first, or of Jesus, the first revelation Paul had, the first thing and the platform from where he interpreted everything was the resurrection. Because on the way to Damascus, he met Jesus the resurrected Jesus. So here Paul comes and he's got all the Old Testament logic, he's got all the understanding, he grew up under Gamaliel. Gamaliel in Tarsus was teaching people um, a, a, a lot about the Gnosticism of that time as well as uh, uh, Judaism and that he was an expert in trying to convince the Gnostics of Judaism. That's what he was busy with. And Paul was trained under him. He was one of the most learned men of his day, the Apostle Paul. And with all that logic, he says, the resurrection of Jesus is a lie. It cannot be. And then on the road to Damascus, he meets the guy that he says is dead. And imagine what had to go on in his mind when he was forced to interpret everything he knows from this resurrected Jesus. And that's how we need to read Bible. And that is the perspective from where Paul wrote everything. He wrote it from that perspective. And from that perspective he came and he said, we, by the Spirit of the resurrection, call God our Father. Now, the Greek word for Father is the originator or the transmitter of everything, of anything. The originator or the transmitter of anything, it's the authors of a family or a society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself, one who has infused his own spirit into others who actuates and governs their minds. So what is a father? A father is either a physical father or if we look at this um, in a, in a oh, I don't know what the big English word for this is now, but in a spiritual sense, this is what it means. It's one who has infused his own spirit into others who actuates and governs their minds. That is a father. So the Greek definition of a father is, it is a God, it's a person who can take the spirit by which he lives and infuse it into someone else. Like if you take a fusion and how that takes place, it's an absolute becoming one, or one, a oneness taking place in a fusion. So when a fusion takes place and God infuses His Spirit into us, then we call that Father. 
I think that is why God also say, call no one father, because the true definition of father is not somebody that gives birth to your physical body, but somebody who can actually take his spirit and make it one with your spirit. And God possesses that ability. And, here he, and here's the definition, one who infuses his own spirit into others, who actuates, or another word we can use there is who activate or who is the, the, the source of and governs their minds. Imagine that. Now we find that with, with um, we can program people like that. Or brainwash is almost like we, we can call it. If you brainwash somebody to a certain degree, they by your, by your clever words and clever uh, way of think, thinking and saying things, you brainwash them to actually actuate their thought and their minds so that and put your spirit in them. And then the person that would live there would be, you would be the father of that person. Because you brought forth their thoughts. You bring forth the emotions inside them. And all of that, when it comes to brainwashing, none of it is by the power of that person. Everything is by the power of the one that does it. Now, when God made us, He didn't make us for the purpose of brainwashing us the reason why God made us and what we have been designed for is to be a co-sharer in his life and he wants to be the father of our lives and the way he's going to do it is he's going to cleverly construct a truth that will shape and form the way we think about ourselves and others that is what he's going to do and through that truth that he will construct and bring forth, as we see that, it will cause us to think differently and it will cause us to have the very life that he has. And the only way he could bring forth a truth like that would be to take a man that had all sin upon him and all death upon him and make that man conquer sin and death and sit as a human being that cannot die and never live in sin at the right hand of the Father as the only truth about every individual. And when we see that, it is not a brainwashing, but it is a reality. Now, if we use the word brainwash, we can see it this way, to see it in a positive way. It is God washing your brain from the lies that you have believed into the reality and the truth about what is always dreamt and planned for you. Amen. So the word father is means to infuse his own spirit into others to, who actuates and governs their minds. I want to just quickly read a passage from John 8 here. Um. John 8, 38. It was too long to put on the notes, so... <clears throat> Jesus said, And I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and you do that which you have seen with your Father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our Father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. 
you do the deeds of your father. Then, uh, then they said to him, we, have not, we are not born of fornication. We have even God as our father. And Jesus said unto them, if God was your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and come forth from God, neither come I from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my words? And you are of your father devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. So what Jesus comes and what he does, Jesus defines father exactly as what the Greek word defines it. He says to people that were of the seed of Abraham, he said to Jews, which had Abraham as their physical father, he said to them, you, he said to them, in the context there is, he said to them that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then the Jews were very offended, you know. We being set free, that means we are in bondage and we are not in bondage. What do you mean we're in bondage? Actually lying because they've been in exile how many times? They've been in bondage how many times? And he said to them, and then they, they got angry at Jesus, and they were jealous of Jesus, and they wanted to kill him. And then they said, uh, you know, we have Abraham as father. And then, God, then Jesus said to them, if Abraham was your father, then you would have done the deeds of Abraham. So here are people that are physical descendants of Abraham, and Jesus doesn't qualify, they don't qualify as children of Abraham. Because a child of Abraham is a believer. One who believes. So if you're a child of Abraham, you would have believed. They say, but we've got God as our father. And then he says, if you had God as your father, you would have the fruit of God in you. So what he's saying here is that, and the power of this is so beautiful, is that when we believe John chapter 1, the Bible says, to whosoever accepted Jesus has got the power to be called the sons of God. So, the moment we accept Jesus and what He has done, the power of that truth makes God the Father of a new life in us. And that is powerful because the moment I think of my physical father, I ask myself, what can I do by my power to have His genes in me? absolutely nothing. It is by Him that that was brought forth. So in the very same way, when we start to realize that in acceptance of Jesus and what He has done, that, that Jesus believed and whatever is around that, which I will quickly explain, once that is believed, we are, He has brought forth a fusion between humans and God in the resurrected Jesus. And in this fusion that took place, in this oneness that took place, that spirit of that truth starts to dwell in us and then we have the right and the authority to say that the Almighty God, by His being and His existence, shall bring forth and brings forth the very fruit of God in our lives. And that the receiving of life is called, in biblical terms, the adoption. Now, we have looked, and last night I've tried to explain this to Helena. It was difficult for me to, um, to explain. You know, I was explaining it, and I, I could see that, that uh, you know, 
a wife is a wonderful thing. You know, you practice all your messages on her. So, <laughs> preach it to her and see if she understands. If she doesn't understand, then you say, oh God, help me tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's like a <laughs> But the concept of adoption, the way we've seen adoption is, a child gets adopted by a parent. And we have taken that very same thing and we've taken it to God, wherein we say that we were orphan children and God adopts us as His children. But the true meaning of adoption there is actually, if you also study the word adopt, it's in the light of a government has adopted a new law. You've accepted a new law. The adoption that's talking, that the Bible talks about is where we can adopt God. I hope you hear what I'm trying to say. It's not that God was an orphan and that he didn't have a father and we adopting him now and giving him a place to stay. We must get that word adoption out of our mind. It's like you, you can adopt a habit. When you adopt a habit, it means you accept a new habit and a new way of doing. The problem is that man could never adopt God. Man could never adopt love. Man could never adopt kindness. Man could never adopt true generosity. Man could never adopt eternal life. He could not, by the law, he tried to adopt who and what God is, but he couldn't. But Jesus came and made it possible that we could adopt and actually receive the very life of God. So when we look at the adoption, and we look at it from the perspective of the whole narrative that there is in the New Testament and, and what the whole Old Testament tries to tell us, it tries to tell us that we by our own doing, like the Tower of Babel, can build a massive tower but we will never reach God. We cannot reach God. Um, we can look at Adam and Eve and we see the whole story. They come and they try to, uh, uh, they try to adopt God. They are earthly beings and they, and they are made by God in the image and likeness of God. And then they say, we by ourselves can adopt God. But you can't. That adoption can only be made possible by God Himself. Afrikaanse woord anneem is baie beter. Ek neem an. There are certain things, the word accept is, is the better word, isn't it? Anium, to accept. If we take the word adopt, and we, I think the, the word adopt in the original is closer to the word accept. The acceptance, where you can actually accept the love of God. Not just as God loving you, but as in God living His love in and through you, where you become a sharer of His life. That is what it is about. That is the adoption. And as you hear this, you look at God and how he, how he saw man at a place where they were cast out, where they were bound, where they were dying, where they were being destroyed, where they had all those kind of things. And as they had all of that, in their life, he said, they by their own ability are trying to reach out and they want to adopt God, but they can't. They're serving false gods, then they're serving this God, then they're doing this. They're trying so hard and they want eternal life, but they cannot accept it. It cannot be taken. But what I'm going to do is, I am going to take a human 
and I'm going to conquer sin and conquer death and then offer them the adoption. So that, yes, in one sense, God adopted man in that he became a man. When he became human, he adopted humans. But now we can receive the adoption. That's why the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we await the adoption, which is what? The redemption of our body, where we can receive redemption. That is the adoption. So when we look at God adopting us, it is not from the perspective of we are not legitimate children, that He doesn't care for us, that He's not good for us, and that we now become a child as if, we, as if He becomes our owner or something like that once we stop our sin and accept Jesus. No, what He's saying is, is like I would say to any of my kids, those three kids, they are all mine. But... I can say to them, I am your physical father, but if you can accept what I believe, then I can be your true father. <coughs> then I can be the father of your very thought. Because now they are physically my children, but it doesn't mean that I'm the father that actually infuses my spirit into them and actuates their thoughts because they've got their own thoughts, they've got their own mind, they do their own thing. But the moment their belief system becomes the same as my belief system, then I can say to them, truly, now, I'm your father. Where they're not just my child, but I am their father. So we, all of humanity, are the children of God. But for God to be your father as the one that actuates your thoughts and bring, infuses his spirit into you, he had to do something that made that possible for man. And this is what he did. He took a human full of sin. Now Jesus didn't have his own sin. He received our sin, took all of our sin, took all of our death, conquered it, took the wrong man could ever do to him, which was how they rejected him, how they beat him, whatever wrong Adam could even do. He didn't respond to it. You know, there's, there's this thing that say, if somebody tries to harm you and you say nothing, you know, to a certain degree, you know, you've conquered him. You're greater than him. Jesus was greater than anything they've done to him when they pulled out his beard, nailed him. He prayed for them. He, the Bible says, like a lamb, go to slaughter. He didn't say a word. In doing that, he conquered the harm man could bring to him. And he showed, I'm greater than what you can bring my way. Plus, he became sin, died, conquered sin and death, was raised as a physical man, put at the right hand of the Father, so that we don't have to come and try and uh, believe in make-belief when it comes to this fusion between us and God. We can now believe in a God-human seated at the right hand of the Father. As we believe that, we now have the same spirit of truth inside ourselves. And now God, from this truth, actuates and forms and shapes our lives. And then He is the Father of the kindness in you. He's the Father of the goodness in you. He's the Father of the thoughts you have towards people. He is the Father. And wherever in your life there are things that 
is not right. The beautiful thing that we can have in this is that we have the right, if we've accepted Jesus, to, to become the sons of God, to receive the very being of the sons of God or to call God our Father where He fathers us and where He will bring forth by the Spirit that new life in that area of your life. Now that is beautiful. Now, let me read two more passages. This is in Romans 8.15. It says here, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So, what this means, it doesn't mean that we even use the word Abba. That is not what it means. He's saying here that when we, we, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, that talks about the law. But we have received the spirit of adoption, meaning that through this spirit we have now adopted the life of God. Through the revelation that the spirit raised Jesus from the dead, put him at the right hand of the Father, and when he poured that spirit out in Acts chapter 2 and those that believe upon him receive that spirit the Bible says through that spirit that brings forth this fruit in our lives our lives cry out God is our father that is what it actually says can we call God our father with can we say Abba or daddy God of course Jesus said father why because it's true God is his father God is a loving being and Jesus loves. That's why he says, I can call God my Father with my mouth. But I believe the context in Romans 15 here is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We must realize the Bible says in Romans 1 verse, uh, from verse 4 to 6, it says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit that raised Him from the dead. So how did we see Jesus as the Son of God? When He was raised from the dead. What does the Sonship mean? It means equality. We saw Jesus is undying and eternal, and we also saw God undying and eternal. We saw God inside a human. The manifestation of His Sonship, where we could clearly see God is His Father, when he conquered death, because there was one thing only God had. He's called the only immortal. So when Jesus was raised immortal, and God is immortal, we saw, ah, this is the Son of God. But now he says, this spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when we believed in him, we received the same spirit. And that spirit is now bringing forth the first fruit of the spirit in our lives. And as we see this, this fruit in our life, our lives cry out, God is our Father, and we are now awaiting this adoption where we can adopt even immortality in the return of Jesus Christ. That is what that passage means. It's a bit different, but it blesses to say, God is my Father. Because when I think of God is my Father, just from the perspective of a Father's Day, kind of a message of him being a loving father or having the father's heart of God that loves us it is beautiful and heartwarming but when I believe as God as the father of the brand new life by this 
truth, which is Jesus, where he infuses his thoughts into me and his life into me. When I see that, the moment I say Abba, it immediately opens my heart for a new life and for continually staying in the new life where he brings forth his righteousness and his holiness in my life. I'm going to end off with Galatians 4 verse 1. It says, uh, Now I say then that the heir, as long as what is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he is lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. What is this adoption of sons? In verse 23 in, 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 um, in Romans, this is the adoption. He says here, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to witness the redemption of our bodies. So what is this adoption? It is the redemption from physical death. That is what it is. And listen to what he says here. He then came and he says that he took the law. He came as a man under the law to redeem them that were under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons, which is what? The redemption of our body. So what is the adoption? The adoption is when we can adopt eternal life. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Now, the first fruit of that adoption is when we adopt love, joy, peace, kindness, and all those kind of things. When we adopt that. And the beautiful thing about that is, is in this life, you will see this as a truth that gets dumped into your heart in the day that you receive Jesus, as well as a a growth that takes place in the light of this revelation. Because there will always be a day or a time when you seem not to see this truth. But we cannot have our lives governed by the two or three things we've done wrong. We look at the overall spirit that is showing forth in our life and we see the love and the goodness and the kindness of God and the changes brought forth in our lives. Because everybody will have a, a bad day you know, everybody will have a negative day. Everybody can have that. That is just how it is. So, I want to say to you that God is your Father. If you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, and you start to understand the truth around that, you will find a power in that resurrection that is so great. And you have the right, the authority, to receive the being of a son, which implies that God is the Father. He is the one that causes you to be able to adopt His very nature and being. That is what it means to call God your Father. And the powerful thing about that is, is it is not by your own power because it is by the power of Him being your Father. And we know that no child has asked to be here. It was the decision 
and the life of the Father and the power in the seed of the Father and His union with the mother that brought you forth. So the moment we believe in the union of the seed of the Father that united with the mother which is, took place in Jesus, in the body of Jesus, when the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, when we behold that man, the life that comes forth in us is by the power of the life that's in the seed of God. And it brings forth life in us. Doesn't matter how bad your day is, doesn't matter how negative things is that happen, doesn't matter if you've lost everything or if you've gained everything, the power that will bring forth His life in you is His life. In the man, Jesus Christ. And that is God as our Father. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that we can honor you as our Father. And thank you, Lord, that you're a good God that loves us and cares for us. Thank you that you wash us and you, you bring forth kindness and goodness and faithfulness inside our lives. You bring forth compassion in our lives as Father. And thank you that you've come to make it possible that we can adopt your life. We can accept your life and adopt it to the point that it can actually live in us where you visit us with your very being. And thank you, Lord, that as we listen to all of this, we find no need in this adoption. Who finds a need for a law? Who finds a need for rules and regulations to try and adopt the life of God? No, we see the perfection in Jesus. And we thank you for the first fruit, and we also thank you that the work that you've begun, you will complete in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen.